You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. (laughs) On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We get into the whole journey of their lives, well, as much of it as we can, and how they got to where they are today and even how they get through the day today. Because I believe that our feelings of success, fulfillment, Being lovable, being enough, being worthy are not out there somewhere. Once I have this, do this, be this, then I will feel successful, enough, valuable, worthy, whatever it is. If we're putting it out there somewhere, once I have this, do this, be this, we likely will never feel it. We'll just keep chasing it. That is why we have to claim it every single day and sometimes every moment of the day. So, On today's episode, I'm so excited. I have Tara Stiles. I have been in her sphere for a very long time. Uh, Some of the things that she's been called is Yoga Rebel by the New York Times, Coolest Yoga Instructor Ever by Vanity Fair. She's been written up in all sorts of things. She is the founder and owner of Strala Yoga, Strala Yoga, and I'm so, so, so excited to have this conversation with her. You know, like one of the things I fell in love with her back in the day, it was sort of, I think she said, who made the rules and make your own rules. And that is something I very much am aligned with, that it's up to us to create our own path, make our own rules, see what works best for us. So let's get into the episode with Tara. All right. Hi, Tara. Hey. (laughs) You go by Tara, not Tara, or is it Tara? It's it's Tara, but okay. um, you know, unless you're fancy. I mean, my ballet teacher growing up used to call me Tara because I think it just sounded more fancy. But you know, <laughs> I'm from the Midwest, so it's Tara where I'm from. <laughs> or Tara, get back in there, get back in the house. What are you doing? <laughs> Let's start there. So, uh, ballet, you were because yeah, now you're mostly known around the world as yoga instructor guide being i guess <laughs> sure yeah Ter- yeah tara styles and yoga go together I was wearing sweatpants before the quarantine <laughs> oh my gosh so yeah so you did you grow up dancing because i feel like did you get in did you start modeling at a young age is that right uh yeah but it's not as glamorous as i think some uh newspapers have made i was doing more you know coca-cola ads and you know target and things like that but yeah, I danced, I danced growing up. So that was kind of where I was, where I was headed with my whole life's, you know, sort of young ambition and ideas. And just that was sort of my everything. And um, yeah, that's how I got interested in, in yoga. My ballet teacher, I got lucky. He brought yoga into our program for just relaxation and stress relief. And he was dancing with American Ballet Theater in New York in the 70s. So he got into yoga, you know, I guess sort of the the first American wave of, of yoga. So we had this class and this teacher was sitting in the front of the room and just sitting there happy for no reason at all. (laughs) And I thought, what is going on? Nobody is telling him that he's, you know, valuable. Everybody's actually just kind of not that happy to be here and wanting to be doing something else. And we sort of are you know, kind of forced to take this class. And I was just like, this is amazing. I want to know why this guy is so happy when everybody is basically treating him like crap. (laughs) So that's like, this guy came in, was a yoga instructor. Is that right? 
Yeah. And so a local yoga instructor, just very simple kind of Hatha yoga, just sitting there. We did a few yoga positions and then had a, a relaxation. And this was, you know, this was the nineties. So there wasn't like yoga teacher trainings. There wasn't really, you know, yoga studios. Yeah. There definitely wasn't clothing that you would wear specifically for your yoga. Right. Practice. Like people didn't really know what yoga was. And you guys were, you were in a dance class and your dance instructor brought this yoga teacher in and you guys were all like, who the hell are you? Like, why are you here? Yeah, exactly. But I was, you know, I think we all as kids, I mean, definitely my experience as a kid was spending a lot of time in nature and just kind of having those yoga like feelings every once in a while where we experience now in a more formal class, like, oh, I feel like everybody's connected and all that kind of corny stuff that we talk about. But so when I saw this guy, you know, I was thinking, holy crap, there's this thing that you can do with your being that brings that feeling out more. And obviously he's been doing that consistently for a while because he's sustained this sort of happiness. And I, I want to have that for myself. And so I just kind of sat close to him and tried to learn things <laughs> from that point forward. <laughs> and how old were you at the time? Uh, this was like high school and right out of high school. So, okay. So you're good, high school. good moment to sort of, you know, um, have these kind of um, experiences um, kind of tied into, you know, thinking about philosophy and existential ideas and just all these kinds of, you know, who am I in the world? Who am I really? What do I want? You know, not even so much about career at all, but at back then, but it was much more, you know, what the heck is going on (laughs) in life and how am I going to thrive in this and survive in this? and relate to the world in a, in a way that makes me feel, you know, comfortable, I guess. Yeah. I definitely remember all of that from high school (laughs) ages and like starting to question everything sort of (laughs) (laughs) and looking for more meaning, but not even knowing like where to find it. (laughs) Cause it's like, I also remember like being like, sort of like, wait, these adults that we're listening to, like, what do they know? Like for me, my parents weren't happy in their marriage and stuff. So I remember like being like a teenager and being like, why am I supposed to be taking life advice from these people who are like, obviously not happy. And you know, like, so I don't understand how all this life shit works. Like that we're supposed to be following these people that are just like, you do this, you do this, you do this, you mark this box, but nobody actually looks happy. So yeah, I'm guessing, yeah, you see that yoga instructor, like, what's this this guy doing? (laughs) Yeah. And he didn't seem dangerous. You know, I'm from a small town also, like he, he wasn't a a sketchy guy that you'd see outside of the grocery store that was sort of on drugs. And that's why he was happy. You know, he seemed to be an upright citizen, but also having this sort of joy that you wouldn't quite expect from somebody who wasn't intoxicated. (laughs) Right. And probably like you're picking up on like his contentment, but without like knowing what that necessarily is as a teenager, but just being drawn to this. (laughs) Right. Because, you know, I, I think so many of us were raised where, you know, it's almost illegal in a way or morally illegal to, to show or to, to pursue happiness. Really, it's sort of this, you know, at least I was brought up in this, you know, work really hard, get a good job, you know, do something, keep your head down, show that you're working really hard. You come home for the holidays and everybody kind of says how hard they're working and you get a pat on the back for that. And whether that's giving you success or not, it's just kind of you're doing your moral duty of digging those ditches, you know, in a way. Yeah, totally. 
And that's and like, I had that experience too. And I think so many like parents or mentors, guidance counselors, teachers, whatever are often like, yeah, you said like, what was the wording you used just now? Like, we're not taught to like, look for happiness or what did you say? It was so know. good. I mean, it, it always felt like, not praised always, like morally life. illegal, like not, you're yeah. not allowed to. It's not something that if you're happy, it's you, you need to justify it in a fleeting moment because you stressed yourself out so hard to get that one moment yeah. of happiness. <laughs> and and it's just like, again. <laughs> so many people are talked out of their passions or these things that bring them joy because it doesn't seem like a viable like career choice because they want you to be safe protected to have a steady income to have benefits to have these things and so these things that can be bringing us joy a lot of people yeah it feels like we're not like it's wrong to pursue thing because we need to be doing this 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 that will make us feel safe because that's like better or safe or successful like you know it's like financially stable okay anyway back to your life No, you just remind you just totally. This is I, I feel like you're this kind of girl like I grew up with, but you just totally reminded me of, you know, even loving dance from a young age in in first grade. My plan was, you know, I wanted to dance. So I was going to get myself to New York City, and my parents were saying, "There's no way, even if you're a dancer on Broadway, that you're going to make enough money to live in New York City." So my plan was, and I went to Catholic school, that I was going to live in the nunnery, and like that would that would take care of my housing. And then I would I would study hard and become a lawyer so I could be a lawyer during the day and have my housing taken care of and then dance at night on Broadway because, you know, God forbid you just follow the one thing that you love. You know? so, I haven't thought about that in a long time. So. Yeah. So when you were in that in the high school ages and first meeting this yoga instructor, were you still on the path of wanting dance to be your profession? Like, yeah, because if you're in high school, then you're getting close to graduating. Are you then about to pers- were you at that time like I'm gonna go to college or I'm gonna you yeah, be trying out for some dance um company? I mean I was so frustrated growing up that I just wanted to dance and I'm from the small town and I was going to these we go to these kind of corny conventions and I'd do well and I'd get some like corny trophy and come home and then like wait till the next one so I could go and do something else. Um so I tried to graduate high school early. My school has this um, uh, trade school because a lot of kids from where I'm from, they end up going into carpentry or welding or or computers. So I, I, I graduated and, and then I just signed up for this trade school. And I was telling my parents, look, I have enough credits to graduate. Can I just go to New York and audition now? And they were like, you're 16. You can't just go to New York City. And I'm like, but I did my school. I leave. <laughs> so I just ended up being in this... Um, computer program for a couple of years and then started doing the dance classes and doing the conservatory training and all of that. So, you know, the conservatory program I was in was a liberal arts college as well. So my, it was kind of a compromise for my parents just go to this, you know, quote unquote college, even if you're dancing around all day and doing whatever you're doing. Um, you're at least earning credits that could yeah, apply. And then, the you know, they, they're like, just minor in business or something. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I already know all that stuff. You just sell lollipops out of your locker or whatever you're going to do. <laughs> you know? So I was always doing stuff like that anyway. But no, I mean, yeah, dance was definitely the thing. And, you know, I was, I was still doing that into my early 20s. And, you know, yeah, some modeling kind of happened. Actually, a, an agent, um, Marie Anderson Boyd, who became like a you know, a, a nice adult that I could talk to about all my feelings and stuff. <laughs> she, she had this agency in Chicago called Aria. And she came to one of the shows that I did and said, Oh, I'd love to have you in. 
And I, I was just such an idiot. I had no idea what modeling was. And she said, look, like you're not tall enough to be a fashion model, um, but you have a lot of personality. So I could send you to Milan and you could do the shows. And so I just said, great. You know, how much does that pay? And she said, oh, honey, it doesn't pay anything. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I, I, need, I need a job. I can't just, you know, whatever. And I said, well, what are my other options? She said, well, this is Chicago and there's a lot of commercial work here. So, you know, I could start sending you out for TV commercial uh, auditions and and whatever. And I said, well, fine. But she said, OK, you're throwing away your chance at, you know, going to Milan. And I'm like, but why? There's no, you just said like there's no job there. Like I'd have to just sleep with a photographer and pray I'd get famous. You know, <laughs> it's not like I'm not interested in that. And I still wanted to dance. So I didn't want to kind of go the tours of the show and just try to do that. So I remember it was kind of a great decision because the first thing she sent me on was this really corny ad for Coca-Cola being on like the Coke machine with a group of like five, you know, very diverse, diverse Benetton style. You know, I'm the girl with red. I had short red hair. And then there was, you know, a girl with brown hair and a black girl and an Asian girl. And there we are like one big, happy Coca-Cola family. But it was five thousand dollars. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I basically just cashed that check and moved to New York and never looked back. So, oh, wow. <laughs> and she's great. I mean, she's um, she's over the years written a lot of books, kind of mentoring young models that now because it's so different now that, you know, young people come into, I think, all of these kind of industries and the options maybe are a bit more because of technology and like globalization and everything just happening so fast. So we've kept in touch and she's been a big cheerleader and, you know, she's, she's, she's awesome. I mean, when she brought me into her office, she had like adopted 10 little kittens on the floor and we just sat there and, you know, I told her what I wanted to do. And she, you know, told her, you know, the, the reality of what she saw that was possible for me. And we just, you know, she gave it to me straight and that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that that's important instead of like, yeah. And even just the fact that she's like, yeah, she wanted you at a Milan, but she was also like, well, no, it doesn't pay. Like, but like, you know, like this thing <laughs> that she wasn't like allowing you to like, or taking advantage of, I guess, of what you wanted to do by selling you like, oh no, you want to do this or you have to do this, or you need to go down this path that she was able to like, get you to where you like what worked for you. Yeah. I felt really grateful. I mean, she didn't have a branch of her company in New York. It was more, you know, she sent me to New York with a few phone numbers in my pocket and that was fine, you know, because again, being from the Midwest, I'm fine with just going on the street, meeting people, figuring out my way. And because I was still dancing, I was, you know, doing some of that, some of everything and, you know, kind of investigating what this yoga thing was. And if there was any other people beside this guy in my dance school that did it and I wanted to find them and attach myself to them as well. So, so how old were you when you moved to New York? Uh, 21. So you're 21. You got this check from Coca-Cola. Is that then, do you drop out of the conservatory-esque college that you were going to, or did you finish that at that point? No, I, I, I finished it, but okay. it was sort of like, yeah, it was just... So your parents were at, like, okay, you got a degree. Like, were they... Yeah, they're honestly, like, gosh, you know, they're finally figuring this out. I mean, literally, I mean, you know, parents are crazy, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, I think five or six years ago, they were in New York at our studio that we had then. And there was all these people coming in before class. And my mom was asking some people why they come here. Like, why would you do this with her when you could just do anything you want with your time right now? 
and not in a mean way, but just really curious. She was just of, like, yeah, trying to make sense of it. What is going on? You know, and then my mom kind of figured out that, you know, my life was very sustainable. I never, I never asked my parents for any money ever, ever. That was like, not because like, I didn't want, you know, free money, but it was just such a sense of pride for me. I can't like, then I owe them something, you know, like, I just, I'm not going to go there <laughs> for me, you know, that's my life. But, um, you know, when things started to, to be sort of more global, even, you know, we had our, our daughter, um, Daisy, and I asked my parents if they wanted to come to Europe with us. We had like four trainings in four different cities. So I remember going and I invited my mom to like, just come to the morning class or something. And our trainings are pretty global. There's people from sort of all around the world at, at each city. And I remember being in London and there was a, a, a young woman from India there. And my mom said, why did you come from India to London to do yoga with these guys? So, you know, I think the questions are completely real. It's a different kind of world we have now where it's such, it's so small, you know, you, you meet somebody online and there's a community and you just go because, you know, the girl that came, she goes, well, you know, yes, there is yoga in India but there's not yoga in, in the way that this community is. And I want to be a part of this and this is where I'm headed, you know? So it's interesting to hear, you know, my mom as a curious outsider seeing how, you know, basically echoing back from the people who are involved with me about why, why this is all happening. So, and then of course my mom goes back home and she figures it out. She goes to a local yoga class that exists now by like my first grade teacher who was teaching in her house, you know, and she she calls me up right after and she goes, oh, I get why people like your yoga class. now." <laughs> and I'm like, what what happened? What did she do to you? She said, well, you know, we're we're all 60 years old and she thought that we were all dying and she's, you know, 20 years older than us. So she put us all on the floor and basically had us roll around her ankles for an hour. And it was so boring. And, you know, people like you because you're you're not pretentious and you're fun. I'm like, okay, so we've, we've gotten there and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. Now for this <laughs> validation. So yeah, basically life becomes validating to your family that you're good enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have my own like experiences that with like, um, in my mind, like they have, like, don't seem to have memory of it. Cause what I wanted to do was be a live sound engineer to tour oh. with bands. And, and I didn't know what even that was called. I just love going to concerts and being like, the guitar is too loud this. And so I made it happen and I became a live sound engineer and I even like quit a good job to work for free to learn more. And then uh, a sound company hired me out of House of Blue Chicago, where I worked to become a touring sound engineer when I was finally on tour and like, touring with the first first person I toured with was Mary Chapin Carpenter and like staying at um Ritz Carlton's every night then it was suddenly like bragging about Trisha and you did such a good job but I didn't feel like they believed in me or supported me that whole time and my mom has like blocked that out of her memory like what do you mean I always supported you <laughs> but again because I think in their mind she's like no well she's just they're always trying to make sure you're safe and the safe and the yeah. safe which so that's as now we're both parents that like, I'm sure you're already thinking about that. Like, how am I communicating my kids? We're like, I want them to be safe, but also to follow their heart or to, you know, do what they want, whether it means climbing some crazy thing where you're like afraid they're going to get hurt. You know, it's yeah. like this funny thing where it's like, you know, they're trying to protect you, but it's like, yeah, like what you were, yeah, you mentioned, like you said it so well and we'll have it back in the recording, but like, 
yeah, it's like stealing the happiness of like pursuing the happiness that this was something too. And I've suffered from chronic pain. I had fibromyalgia. I did not enjoy my life. Almost committed suicide. And like, let me do this thing that brings me joy. Even if you don't know how much money I'm going to make. Okay. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Totally but, understand um, that. Anyway, again, back to you. Um, so oh, oh, 21. We're fun, <laughs> but it's about you. I know about me. Like, this is how all my conversations go. It's like weaving in and out. And then I'm <laughs> back to you. 21, you moved to New York City. You, at that point then, are you still like wanting to just pursue dance? Or you did mention like, maybe I will look more into yoga. But like, what happened when you first moved to New York? Like, yoga was never, um, I never saw any examples of it as anything really besides, you know, this practice. And I remember being in that class and thinking, this is amazing. And this reminds me of all the good potential that I, I connect to and I feel, you know, happy, but why the heck don't any of my friends do this? I remember having that sort of question, like, this is awesome. Why isn't this everywhere? And then I'm, you know, just kind of curious about that. I remember even talking to my ballet teacher about that. He knocked on our, our dressing room door, which was always the sense of like, somebody's in trouble. you know. <laughs> and, um, he gave me a copy of Autobiography of a Yogi and he said, I really see that you're interested in this, this path. And, you know, he just said very little, but it said a lot to me, him giving me this copy. And he's, he's again, still, you know, somebody I, I definitely seek approval for and, and mentorship of like basically everything I do. But um, he gave me this copy and, you know, I read it cover to cover and like went to the place on the back. It was in San Diego, like you know, went out there, looked at the fish in the pond, saw all these people kind of walking around like girl interrupted. And I'm like, this is yoga. I'm so confused. You know, <laughs> it was like an ashram, you know, that you could kind right. of park your car and kind of hang around and eat a bowl of lentil soup and then either stay and, you know, become a monk or leave, you know, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> there wasn't really a, any organized activity happening. <laughs> So yeah, when I eventually moved to New York, it was it was the same. I was still kind of, you know, I think the the experience with Marie Anderson Boyd kind of opening up this um world, and I wouldn't even say like a modeling world, but like a world to uh I think for me reflecting on it is like a lens beyond the stage. And one of my sort of uh problems with dance was that I always had this injustice of, well, only the people that can come are the people that are able to come, whether it's a financial thing or, you know, they happen to live in the neighborhood of the theater. It was sort of like dance is this exclusive thing. And I, I don't feel like an exclusive person. I always wanted to sort of dance with the people. And I loved, you know, doing shows at nursing homes as a kid and kind of stuff like that. So I was always having a, I love this, but I don't, I don't love the delivery of it kind of situation. So, you know, I think Marie helped open up this possibility of, you know, even going to a cheesy shoot for Coca-Cola or, you know, shooting with some fashion photographer in Chicago or New York. It's sort of like when that camera is pointed at you, you have no idea who's going to see it on the other side. And whether it was a picture or, you know, a video I was doing or, um, you know, I did a lot of like music videos for dance, like with Whitney Houston and Ricky Martin and kind of random, just super random. I was in this like artsy Matthew Barney movie and all of these experiences really led me to there's something more on the other side and there's a different way to connect with people than just through um, what was presented to me through the theater. And I remember there's a really sort of defining moment that just for me personally, where I, I thought I would maybe look at, um, 
Parsons Dance Company was a company I really liked. And my ballet teacher was like, no, no, you should go for Paul Taylor, Martha Graham. And I was like, well, it seems like an easy fit at Parsons. So I, I knew somebody with the company and there was like an opening in a couple of years. So they really liked me and they said, just hang around in a couple of years. And I just saw this kind of like time passing in a way where for the dance world was okay if that was sort of the end point. But for me, you know, I felt really lucky because I had my phone ringing with, you know, um, some editorial shoot for something that paid, you know, just enough money to get by. But I had these other opportunities that were pulling me in a direction that was interesting. And I didn't quite know where it was going. But again, it was the like the potential of the people that were on these shoots being at different castings and meeting different people that were doing interesting things. and. You know, I was also really always scrappy. Like there was a photographer who shot dancers called Howard Schatz and he's he's still alive and he's in Soho. And I, I went to Barnes and Noble and like got one of it, looked up one of his books and I didn't buy it because it was like $80. I'm like, I'm not buying <laughs> Like looked on the back and took a photo of his, actually it was before camera phones, but wrote down his website and went back home to my computer and dialed up AOL or whatever it was. <laughs> and like just emailed him and said, hey, I'm, this is me. Here's a photo of me. You know, I'm a dancer from Chicago. I just moved to New York. I'm doing all this stuff. Like I'm thinking about joining Parsons or auditioning here. And, you know, I'm represented by this modeling agency, you know, like, what do you think? And he's like, come over. (laughs) So, you know, not creepy. He's married. He's, He's just impressed that I wanted to work and do something. And I ended up you know, doing a lot of photo shoots with him. Some were wow. books and some were commercial gigs. Some were just standing in for a lighting test when they hired like some super important fashion model. So, you know, just finding different opportunities and way to connect always felt more of a, that's how I feel comfortable way than just choosing one world, whether it was the dance world or just the the photo world or something. So I was always like interested in, in, in finding myself in these different kind of connection opportunities. I love that you, yeah, wrote down his website and then just found it and reached out because I don't think a lot of people would do that, you know? I used to get kicked out of, there's these like kind of um, fashion magazine stores in um, downtown New York and they'd have all of the kind of indie but really cool magazines and I would just sit down there and do the same thing with the photographers and they would eventually just kick me out. To but like I look up the photographers people. and write down their information to try to like, <laughs> I would just call people or, you know, if I didn't have a casting for the day, you know, this was back in the day where models would carry their portfolio around. I think everything's obviously digitized now. So if I saw a tall girl walking into a building with a little book sticking out, I would follow her in and just like kind of pretend I was supposed to be there. And sometimes I would get the gig, you know, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've made so many friends that way over the years too with photographers. Sometimes my agent would be pissed. They'd be like, you just booked this cover of some weird magazine and we didn't send you on that casting. I'm like, why are you mad at me for booking a magazine cover? Just write it down. That's not how it's done. You're not following the rule. (laughs) I know. I was so naughty, but you know, I was, I didn't have anything else to do. So (laughs) before you have kids, you got a lot more time. I love that. Yeah. And if you have, yeah, you're like excited to be a part of those worlds and to be there. Yeah. I mean, I'm so happy that that was my education in a way before the internet, because now 
you know, everybody's inside trying to meet everybody else, but through their phones. And it just didn't work that way. Then I literally could just go outside and, and something would happen, you know, if you talk to people back then. <laughs> so, and this was just early 2000s. It, it feels like talking about the 80s, but it really wasn't even that long ago. So. Yeah. So how long did you end up like doing this sort of like modeling like that? And where did you then start like getting more into yoga that it became more of a thing to you? Well, okay. I did this ad for crunch gym <laughs> and it was like this really goofy ad where I'm like stretching and they put it on the billboards in the front of the gyms. And part of that gig was, well, I think I negotiated this part of the gig was I got to go to the gym for like two years complimentary, you know, I'm like, you got to throw me in a gym membership on this. So, yeah. so I go to this gym and it was Especially just like, if I'm on the front of every gym, like I need to be able to go yeah, in. I was like, I don't have a gym membership right now. Let me in. So, um, I got super lucky again. So at that time in New York, uh, there was like yoga at the gym that was actually amazing. So there was like three or four yoga teachers that were like amazing and so different and unique. And it wasn't like gym yoga aerobics bullshit. It was, you know, this guy, Michael V and John C and they were awesome and they were so nice to me. And Amy and Polity, I don't know if she's still an awesome yoga teacher. So Amy actually I took her class. And, um, and I always went to her class. It was great. She was so happy, kind of similar to that first experience I had. I was like, why are you happy? And then she would kind of talk with people before and after the class about how she was going to a different place to teach yoga next. And then she had a little scooter and she's like, oh, I have to go to my class at this place. And then I have, I'm teaching a workshop at this place. I'm like, what's a workshop for yoga? (laughs) So I was kind of trying to get in on those conversations and one of the classes after her class, she had these flyers, literally that she had printed up and made. And I said, this woman is amazing. She printed up flyers for something. Let me go see what that's about. Because it wasn't that the gym wasn't doing it or anything. It was totally on her own. So she was putting on this yoga teacher training course. And I had no idea what a yoga teacher training course was. I just thought these yoga teachers just magically dropped from the heavens and just, you know, kind of were here. <laughs> I didn't know they could multiply and grow us like little chia pets and there would be more yoga teachers, (laughs) you know, just thinking they're all magical fairies. So, you know, so I, I signed up for this course. I gave her like a check the next time I went to the class. I'm like, here you go. Here's my check or whatever. So, um, and when you were signing up, were you even like, I am going to be a yoga teacher or was it more just like, I love this yoga thing. And like, okay, I just want to keep doing whatever like this girl is doing. Did you actually see yourself as being a teacher? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Still, didn't even know what that was. I just thought she was giving this thing that lasted longer than the than the class at the gym, and you could pay for it, and you could go to it, and you could meet other people. You know. So yeah, this was 2001, like right after the towers came down. So everybody was kind of actually looking for more yoga and more connection. It was kind of a you know an intense time in New York too. So yeah, so I went to this course and. I remember being nervous, like the first day of it, I had to miss a few hours for some photo shoot. And she was so nice about it. She was like, what is it for? Do you need help? Do you need a ride? And I'm like, why are you so nice to me? (laughs) No, this is so cool. And, um, you know, so I did the thing and, you know, everybody else in the course was a lot older than me. And they were at this kind of other turning point in their life where they had all kind of seemed to have in common that they had done another kind of career, whether it's corporate career or there was a lot of artists and they actually knew that yoga teaching was a job and they were doing this definitely for vocation. 
So I was like, wow, they're so they're taking notes over there and I'm just kind of hanging around. <laughs> Should I be taking notes? <laughs> you know, I remember showing up once in jeans and I'm like, oh, I should have brought my stretchy pants on my jeans. <laughs> you know, just total moron, you know. But yeah, that was my first kind of um experience in in doing something like that that was that was formal. And so then oh, first of all, I love my first experience was yoga was also gym yoga and the like the best. I, I went to like, I was living in Chicago at the time working as a sound engineer and it was like this fancy, more uh, meant for gay men gym, but I lived in that neighborhood and I went and I was afraid of all group fitness at that time. You know, like I don't want anybody to see me in my stretchy clothes or anything like back then. Like now people live in leggings. Like this was, we didn't live in leggings back then, jeans, you know, <laughs> yeah. and not super tight jeans even like, you know, and so. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know what got me drawn into like finally showing up for this yoga class or the group class, but I went to one class and my life was like changed. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to like make it to this class every week. And the same thing, like the teacher at that, the, that I went to at that gym was so good. And for, and I moved around for years and went, tried to find different like teachers at different studios. And I still was like, I lucked out that at my first yeah. class was with those amazing teachers. <laughs> I don't know where they came. I think the first shipment of yoga teachers must have just got dropped off from a spaceship because you're right. We got so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was like from. 2001 or 2002, probably that I did that. Yeah. And the same, but it probably at that time, because those are people that are probably really passionate about yoga, but there wasn't, the world wasn't really like fully there for it yet. So there weren't as many studios or people doing it. So they were just like so passionate about yoga. And then they have to go to a gym and be like, you guys do classes. I will teach this class. (laughs) And there weren't these studios where they could go and get jobs at and opening a studio is a whole thing. So then you have to convince people to come do your yoga class off the street, you know? So, Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So you got to do the teacher training and like, at what point then did you start like developing it more on your own or like, what did you start? Did you start making videos online? Like what was your next? Yeah, I guess that was a while later. So yeah, you know, after the training, we're just kind of hanging around the studio. So Elena Brower opened her space and that actually happened like the third day into our training. Amy was like, we're trading spaces. We're going to this new space. My friend Elena has this space. So we were just kind of inhabiting the space and there was no classes happening or anything. And actually at the end of the training, most of the people in the training just ended up staying and, you know, a class schedule kind of emerged sort of. (laughs) So, okay. So that training moved into Elena Brower's new studio and then they, everybody that doing the training sort of just like, okay, can I teach a class this time? Basically, yeah. I mean, very cool how it all went down, but that's kind of, you know, it was so informal and it just happened like a curtain came up and then you could change your clothes behind it one day. And I'm like, this is cool. We don't have to go to the bathroom anymore. So yeah, it was just kind of super, you know, organic in that way. And, um, yeah, so I'd go after the training was over, you know, there was other things to do all of a sudden because there, I think there was just more interest. So you know, Amy would give a retreat in the Hamptons or something at some place. And we would all kind of get in a car and go and I'd be like, can we please stop for coffee? And they were all like, none of them drink coffee or they're all perfect and everything. And I'm just like, I'm there with my gummy bears and my coffee, you know? <laughs> like totally not with the yoga lifestyle yet. You know, I remember Elena sat down and um, between classes had, she like ate out of an avocado, like the avocado. And I'm like, I've never thought of that. <laughs> That's like something you can do. <laughs> I have like my bag of like mustard flavored pretzels, you know, <laughs> I'm 
just so like everybody else you were surrounded with had was like very much like intentional prop maybe let's say about like everything in their lives and what they're putting in their body and things and are trying and you're like living your young 20 lives and I love yoga there was this lifestyle that went around the physicality and the spirituality that I just wasn't clued in on yet I didn't know about it you know I didn't know that you could you know there was like a few little indie yoga brands that were popping up and I remember everybody was wearing you know, Hyde Yoga and they all knew AK and she was the designer of this. And there were these kind of like baggy pants with like bell bottoms. And I'm like wearing like the, whoever guy I was dating at the moment's like sweatpants and like it's this t-shirt. And I'm like, there's clothes for this. Like, <laughs> I didn't know about the uniform. You know, I was very excited about it, all, all the lifestyle and just feeling better. But I thought, e- I, I honestly thought eating an avocado out of the avocado was ridiculous. <laughs> I thought that's just way too much avocado for anybody. And now, you know, I eat like two at a time. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I was in a very different world. Like these people were now yoga teachers and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, how do you scrounge this together? You know, I was, I was still lucky, like going and doing photo shoots and things like that and just kind of cobbling together my own income, but in a very different, unpredictable way. But I started, you know, now that I had some more vocabulary, the people that I would meet on these photo shoots, you know, whether it's a camera guy or a stressed out makeup artist, I'd be like, oh man, like you should try this little move for five moments and breathe around. And they would say, well, I didn't ever, I never did yoga because I felt, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, not flexible enough, or I didn't feel connected to the studio that I went to, or I don't want to become a Hindu. You know, I'm like, these are valid concerns, <laughs> but like, let me maybe share that maybe those concerns are just in your head or they're just in a certain community that you explored. And there's, you know, kind of like the world, there's all different kinds of communities, or you can just do this practice on your own. So like, I found myself kind of explaining yoga a lot to people and showing little simple things and kind of, you know, I I hate to use the word accessible. I just think it's nauseating kind of, but like that became my sort of you know, if anybody knew me with yoga at that time was like, oh, she's the she's making it accessible. And, and you know, she's not going to talk your head off about, you know, the philosophy and all of the stuff. And but that honestly, it made made a lot more sense to me to not describe how to be spiritual to somebody, but to put them in alignment with their own body and then they feel it. And then, you know, I can get out of the way. I think also because I was so much younger than all the yoga teachers that I knew, like I didn't feel comfortable coming to a person or even a class and giving a lecture about, you know, a Hindu goddess and then, you know, designing five yoga poses around that theme. I'd rather just do something very simple and kind of get out of the way and see what happens and how the people feel. So I guess kind of that was the beginning of figuring out how I wanted to lead yoga in more of this kind of non-denominational way, because I think because of age, I didn't feel comfortable. And I also thought that you know, it kind of got in the way of, of, a, of a lot of demographic, a lot of certain people, especially people that I knew weren't really interested in, you know, a history lesson or a philosophy lesson. They just wanted, they wanted to feel better. And I thought, okay, this, this helps me feel better. Maybe I can help other people feel better too. Yeah, I totally get that because especially, you know, and, and then when I got into yoga, I was very much like, I am like rock and roll girl. Like I was working at House of Blues, like rock and like I wear black and black studded. And I think like I said, what that was then luckily getting into the gym yoga made it more accessible to me. And then when I did start to go to other yoga studios, but when I was moving around and things, but yeah, like uh, I for sure, like 
that's what helped me to get into it is that there wasn't any spirituality when I went to the classes I went to. There weren't any oming or chanting or it was like it felt it's like now thinking back probably is more like what you were trying to mean. But it was just like you're tapping into yourself and your own breath, but it didn't have to feel like so spiritual. And so like you are now doing yoga <laughs> and this is what yoga is and this is what you should feel like or look yeah. like. And you know, be thinking about and stuff like that. And that because and I, that probably is why it had such a big effect on me is that the people that introduced it to me felt very like open and welcoming. And also maybe too, because it was at a gay gym. Like I wonder now looking back, if it was like these people that are used to being judged or told a different way, maybe and that helped in how that they were sharing yoga with me. I don't even know if my teachers were gay, but like, you know, but just um like thinking back on that, that we are very this spiritual way and we do this. That I had this inner confidence of like, okay, well, I'm just here for the yoga. So I can pick and choose what parts are like for me. You know what I mean? But I didn't feel like I had to be unwelcome somewhere if I didn't take on that brand of what they were selling in the class or whatever. That's awesome. Trisha here, bringing you a brief interruption to tell you about or remind you of my daily inspiration app called Own Your Awesome. If you already have it, Did you know you can also gift it to people in the Apple Store? It's super easy to do. And what an awesome way to only spend $3.99. That's how much the app costs and send some inspiration, love and empowerment to your loved ones, especially now that we're not really seeing them so much. So if you don't know about the app, it's hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations that are in an app on your phone. It's basically like a virtual card deck, let's say. You could even consider it a magic eight ball. (laughs) You can open the app at any time and you'll get a card. You can hit show me a card. You can swipe left and right to pick one. I just opened it and how perfect is it for this episode? The affirmation I got is I get to live my life by my rules. I create my life. You can heart that. You can hit the, the share button and easily share it. Um, you hit the heart button that saves it into your file of favorites. There's even a journal section in the app so you could write about the cards or anything else that's coming up and have sort of like the secret private journal. I'm going to hit show me a card again. Everyone will have an opinion on how to live your life and what choices to make. But the most important voice to listen to is your own. Oh, those ones are sort of on the same theme, but they cover all sorts of things. Here's another one. I'm keeping my heart open, allowing more love grace and compassion to flow through me and from me. You can also hit a daily reminder, set a daily reminder time in the app so that every day at the same time, 7 a.m., 12 p.m., 2 p.m., whatever time you choose, you'll be reminded to come pull a card because, you know, we're humans. We forget to do the things that make us feel good. So just set a reminder, come to the app whenever you get it. And yeah, and it's only $3.99, no ads. You'll never have to pay again. I'm always adding more cards. I added 40 new ones last week, in fact. So why not? It's $3.99. And also, awesome if you rate and subs- review that in the App Store, too, if you already have it. All right, let's get back to the episode. So yeah, so then how did that lead to you develop? Like now, yeah, you have you have more than one studio and you're leading trainings around the world and stuff like what became the let you actually putting yoga out in the world on your own? Oh yeah. I mean, just to be honest, like I, I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so what 
you didn't plan on. It's sort of like, you know, when you don't want to do something, but it's the thing that you should be doing and you're kind of the injustice bell for me just kept ringing off so much, like seeing my friends and seeing people that I know yoga can help them in a certain way, but they just weren't being reached by it. And I know it sounds so silly to say that, but you know, I just, I started this free class in Central Park with this stupid flag that I made and it was like, come do yoga, you know, and, and the kinds of people that would come would have a kindred to my experience. They'd say, you know, I want to do yoga. I, I know it's good for me. I've heard about it, but you know, I don't like the overtones. I don't want the religious aspect. You're I'm feeling the, I'm feeling a connection to my spirituality because you're not telling me how to feel. And I want to keep that going. So, you know, with a lot of reluctance, I was like, fine, let's do it again next week. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you feel like you were feeling like reluctant about it? Just because you didn't imagine that that would be like your path or your thing? Well, like, I mean, honestly, because it's, it's so obvious to me. It's like, I think we all, when you find your passion, at least the experience I've had is I see something that's so obvious to me that a way that something could be so useful that doesn't exist in the world. And I don't know why it doesn't exist. And I'm kind of angry it doesn't exist. And I don't want to be the person that has to do it. But fine, I will, I will do it. And it's like, and I will, and then once you start doing it, you're like, yes, I'm on the spaceship of my life. And this is exactly where I should be. But like, I I didn't want to be a yoga teacher. I just thought that was so not what I was going to do, especially when I learned, you know, that you could be a yoga teacher. But the more, the more I kind of surrendered to it, I was like, oh, I can be me doing this. And that's, and I'm helping people in all of the ways that I've always looked for connection. And as soon as I stepped into it, everything, everything rushed in so easily and quickly and like met me, supported me to do it. I mean, like, it's just ridiculous how easy everything, not like everything's so easy, but like how, you know, the, the sky parts when you're doing what you should be doing. And you know, I think for me, it, it's healthy that I didn't, it's healthy from, from my men- mental state that I'm doing something that I feel like I need to do because it doesn't exist. And if it did exist, I would just excuse myself and do something else. You know? <laughs> so if it, if I didn't feel like it, 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 I needed to be here, I would, you know, I would just go and try to be useful somewhere else. But I, you know, the only thing that keeps me doing it now and then is, is, is a quest to be useful or just that feeling not for other people, but for myself, you know? So when I share yoga to the guy on the camera shoot and it helps him feel better, that gives me the thing that I need that fuels me. It kind of feeds that blood that I need to feel good. I've helped somebody feel better. And and that's what I'm looking for. So for me, yoga, you know, the top reason is to feel better. It's, it's nothing besides that. And I, I, once I figured that out and I can help people feel better through moving in a way that feels better and incorporating everything that I know about movement from dance, not throwing anything away, not saying, well, now we're doing yoga. This is about poses. And I'm thinking that's, it's ridiculous yoga. You're moving the entire time. I can bring everything that I know to this and be myself. I don't have to pretend to be a yoga teacher. Like I've seen so many bad examples of, well, now I'm yoga teacher. So I'm going to be a white girl speaking in an Indian accent and like play music. That's not comfortable for me. And, um, you know, try to fit into this identity that isn't fully me. And I had a lot of examples of just walking around New York, seeing that start to happen in the early two thousands and, you know, trying not to be judgmental, but thinking this doesn't feel right at all. And, you know, I, I don't want to 
offer an alternative, but I want to um, sort of make this available in a way that those people are taken care of if they want to kind of posture in that way. But there's there's all these other people that I was starting to meet and be connected to that, you know, I was doing these things with and it was making me feel good. So I just kept going with it. And that was even before, I guess, YouTube happened and then YouTube happened and just was the right tool for me at the right time and just, you know, opened up the sky once again. And I got to make friends with all these people inside the computer from all around the world (laughs) and just go. And then, you know, then it opened up the possibility to travel and to meet these people in person and, you know, keep it going and, and, you know, provide some structure around that. And, you know, I'm still thinking as, as little structure as possible, you know, not to be corporate and, and, you know, we've, we've, you know, this is further down the line, but, you know, I've just said no to VC a few times when it was been too early because I didn't want to turn it into the next, you know, flywheel or whatever these things are now. And, you know, just, for me, I, I'm always very sensitive just for myself because I don't want to, I don't want to start doing something I hate <laughs> because, you know, I think like you, we're, we, we get up every day and we get to make the decision. Is this the thing that makes me happy today? And I always say like to myself, not even for like any public statement, every day has to be that. And it's not like, oh, every day I'm just going to do only the stuff that makes me feel good. But it's like, if I'm not being useful, I have no use. So I have to either just realize that I'm just going to be a consumer and walk around buy crap for the rest of my life or, you know, find a place where I can do something and not just take up space. So, you know, it gets really weird for me in my own head about it. But I think it's it's also like the the navigational point that's helped me grow in this way and also still feel like, you know, like the very first time that I ever did yoga, you know, because if I don't feel like that, then I know that I'm in the wrong place, you know, <laughs> or coming at it from the wrong place. Yeah. And then it turned it. into a business and the this. And like, if you're thinking at it, like, what is the next best business move or what will be the next best? Then it's like, if we have to get back to like the real, like, wait, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, yeah. why? Every time I- I'm in that real place, all the right people show up to advise me. And it's just, it's so crazy how obvious all of the laws of nature are (laughs) (laughs) within our world of of creation and like creating something. It's just, you know, you can't force it. Otherwise you get beat up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love, you know, when you were sort of saying like you, once you sort of accepted or like push best resistance of like, okay, like, or you're seeing all these people that are like modeling this. And I think that that, you know, that can happen in any sort of lifestyle or whatever. Like, and that's what I'm like, so against the shoulds and like cutting the word should out of your life. Cause it makes you be more intentional about what you're doing. And that's what I'm writing a book on right now, but it's like, we're so often, so it's like, okay, so I'm a yoga teacher. So then I should be, you know, like people are so often taking cues from other people. So maybe that you do, you love this person. So maybe like Amy was the first yoga teacher, then it could make you think, or someone else, I, so I have to teach like Amy and I have to play her music and I have to say it like her, you know? So we get into like, if this is what I love, then I do it this way. But for me, the most impactful yoga instructors I've had in my life are people that you can tell mm. are just doing it their way Yeah, that they're playing like their music or they're not playing music or they're like, whatever they're doing, you can tell that they're fully being themselves and not like following a model of okay, I teach this type of yoga and I do this, even if they're trained in a certain modality or whatever, 
And that like with any sort of life and that that's the thing like that we, of course, are taking inspiration from other people mm-hmm. around the world and what we're in, in whatever we feel you may be in. But it, like it's like that, like allowing your uniqueness to come through and trusting yourself to that. Because that's too, I'm guessing, you know, you're feeling that resistance early on to like lead these classes. Like, OK, then I get this feedback. I guess I'll do another one. But you're probably like the resistance to trust yourself. Right. And that and to like trust that like this is how I want to lead these classes. This is how I want to bring yoga to the people. Like, was that like part of it? Do you feel like the resistance and like just being like, this is how I'm going to lead yoga. And this is what yoga is going to look like to me and not feeling like I should be doing it this way, that way, that way. Yeah. I think both internal and external for me. And I think I was in a weird kind of point in history as well. Like (laughs) just thinking about like my personal history, you know, I, I didn't, I, I had these weird kind of back and forth between I don't want to do what I saw Amy leading and I loved Amy, but I hated the style that she was teaching. And now it's blown up and it's all over the freaking news. But back then I'm like, this is bullshit. You guys, this is bullshit. You're following this guy around who wears a tutu and you're standing in line for him. And the sidekick guy, you go to his house and you call it, it gets so infuriated. You call it camp Douglas. And he has some like 19 year old girlfriend and you're all like sleeping in the living room. Like what the fuck are you guys doing? And like, I'm sorry, but like I get so, you know, like protecting like people from abuse has always been like everything for every woman is such a big deal. And, you know, to see that happening and bubbling up and screaming about it and having everybody just tell you to shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. I just I got the heck out of there. I mean, uh, I, so I, you were experiencing back then because I, I know a lot of things have blown up. So I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but like, cause you were experiencing someone who was a yoga leader guide and everybody was like, wow, you're amazing. And so they're just doing whatever he says and showing up and like worship, yeah. like sort of guru worshiping. I, you know, and the- you right away were like, uh, uh-uh. yeah, I saw this is horseshit. You know, like everybody's individually awesome. You don't need to be following this guy around staying at his house. Like he's only making up more workshops because you guys keep going. Like, have you noticed the themes are just changing and like, <laughs> I just called it out, you know? And I was kind of like, I just said, fine, I'm just going to go back and do yoga on my own. So I stopped going to a bunch of this stuff because I just said, I'm not happy with this. And the people that I did kind of confront who were in these cults, I guess, just told me that I was wrong. And I said, fine, I've said what I got to say, you know, like, I can't pretend I'm not going to go to this crap anymore. So I just started, you know, doing it on my own and sharing with friends and whatever. So when I started making YouTube videos, I had a few yoga friends left that were friendly with me from that training. And a few people said, you know, what are you doing? You know, you can't be, you can't have done this training and now you're just teaching kind of generic yoga or yoga in your own way. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're not my boss. Like, I don't want any trouble, but you know, just leave me alone. You guys, (laughs) it was kind of crappy. And, um, and then meanwhile, the people who are watching these videos, I was getting such positive feedback And lots and lots of people from around the world were saying, oh, my gosh, thank you for teaching yoga in this way. I'm so happy. This is amazing. So I was essentially, you know, inviting all these new people into yoga through the digital way. And, you know, my friends in the in the on the ground were saying, you know, you can't put yoga on the Internet. That's ridiculous. I'm like, just wait five years. You know, know, I kind of wait until 2020 when you're not allowed to leave house. You know, I mean, even now, like some of my friends are like, this is crazy. Like now we have to teach our classes on Zoom. And I'm like, welcome to a decade ago, you guys. But I get it. Like there's some people who thrive in the local and they don't want to be online. And I totally think that that's that's who you are and honoring who you are. But 
you know, I, I got a lot of negative um, feedback and just like a lot of nasty stuff coming at me from in person and also from kind of early yoga bloggers online who are just kind of, you know, so, but, but I was actually, I deserved it because I was criticizing them too. So it was sort of like, it wasn't just poor me. I'm leading yoga in a normal way. I was saying, Hey guys, you don't need to teach in Sanskrit. I, so I was saying, I wasn't saying you're doing it wrong, but I'm, I was kind of opening this door and saying, Hey world, your yoga class doesn't need to be in Sanskrit and it doesn't make it any more special if it is, you know? So I was kind of poking the dragon for sure. But I was pissed. I was angry. And, you know, I'm still angry and all of these things still come out. And, you know, there's it's systemic. Every single yoga teacher training teaches yoga teachers how to push people into poses. Still, to this day, the Yoga Alliance will not admit that. They just say, oh, we're sensitive around these issues. But every yoga teacher training, sure, there's there's yoga teachers that recognize these things and kind of you know, figure it out on their own. And people are having to figure out, figure it out on their own because there's not a unified conversation around it. People think, oh, this teacher's bad or this teacher was bad. But the relationship between going into a yoga class and not creating an equal environment with your students is something that is taught in a lot of trainings still to this day. So, you know, it's it's sort of a again, this is why I hate I hate being in the industry, but I have to be in the industry because I feel like I'm, you know, I'm not the one who's saving it. It's sort of, you found a great teacher. I found a great teacher. There's so much opportunity to evolve this practice that of course this practice is going to create and and bring out power hungry, you know, idiots that want to control the people, because this is something that makes you feel so good that if you don't, as a teacher automatically say, okay, you feel good, but you did that on your own. I didn't do that for you. And that's sort of the main thing that, you know, all of our great teachers said that, you know, I remember coming up to Amy after classes and being like, what's going on? Like, I see colors in my head and she's like, oh girl, you're fine. You know, but, but if it was the teacher that she was studying with might've taken me into his back office and said, tell me about those colors you see and, you know, open up your checkbook and do this thing. And, you know, stay with me at my house and let me take advantage of that. So, you know, I want more Amy's and more. That's the only reason I lead teacher trainings, because I'm like, we have to create more people dropping down to these spaceships who are going to update the software. And, you know, just like religion, just like, you know, the entertainment industry, just like yoga, it's the same thing. You know, anything that has power and makes you feel empowered is going to also create those, you know, bad leaders that take take advantage of that. So you know, it's sort of the system is that we have to, you know, kind of, I I heard one yoga teacher that I know, I I never took a a training with her, but she was on a podcast a few weeks ago saying that she loves to dominate her students. And that's part of the dynamic, you know, and, but she's also aware that it's wrong, but I thought it was so incredible to hear this conversation of, you know, wow, I'm going to walk into a room and kind of act like I own everybody. And she even called it somatic dominance. I'm like, oh, it's kind of pseudo intellectualized bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Just so much there, you know? Man, I get it. And I now get why, yeah, you are so big on like doing the global teacher trainings and that, yeah, it's like, even though like you feel like you want to pull out, but then creating these different teachers. Because again, I'm lucky because I started with an amazing teacher. And I think I'm also lucky because I, from touring and traveling a lot, I would go to local studios before there was online yoga. So I took classes from a lot of different styles and different teachers around the world. And so I've also witnessed, I don't like this. This isn't right. 
But when I'm present to is even like the town that I live in now, the local studio that everybody loves, I don't because they are power boot camp. Come on, let no, let me see 10 push. Come on, keep going. Come, you know, like in the like go in and they are like, I can see, I could see those teachers being like, like dominant you, but better. They're making you stronger. And I've heard other people because I take, take like my, I take my kids to a kid's yoga class there actually, which is good. But, um, the moms will go and they like, they enjoy that. And I was like, yeah, I don't enjoy that. That's why I don't go here. But I get that some people do like that. But like, for sure, there's people getting injured in those classes because they are the teachers that are yelling at you. And again, in their mind, they might think I'm pushing these people to be better and to believe in themselves that they can get into this pose. So they're like, they're the types of that are yelling at you. Come on, no, even deeper. No, you don't go into downward. Like, don't take a water break. Don't rest. You can do this. Like, and I'm like, in 2020 right now like well they're not right now because they're closed but like I feel lucky that I've witnessed that is not what yoga is like whereas the people that live in this town this is the best yoga studio we have so this must be what yoga is like you know that I think that there might be people people that show up and then oh I don't like this and I don't like yoga yeah and that, that there is like that awareness of there's so many different types and styles and like I said, there are some people that freaking love getting yelled at. I, yeah. I've talked to some moms that were like, I love it. Like that empowers me to get yelled at and to push myself to my limits. And I'm like, me, no, I like listen <laughs> to my body. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like that. So I'm so grateful for you creating your, I'm not, I don't know, I was going to say your brand of yoga, but just you putting that out there and that, yeah, like, showing up consistently, even when you want to back out and pull out and to be sharing these messages. And I make up that you are really giving the gift of in these teacher trainings of trusting themselves and leading from, is that like a lot that I'm guessing you're teaching poses, you're teaching alignment, you're teaching this, but are you also then teaching these teachers to be themselves? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the coolest thing about one of the coolest things I love about leading the trainings is the moment when a leader and a person in the class can understand that it doesn't matter what you're saying, it matters how you feel about yourself. And of course, what you're saying needs to back up how you feel about yourself. But what you're what you're teaching other people when you're in front of anybody is you're giving them the experience of how you feel. And your move, how you move is how you feel about yourself. And what you say could be connected to that, or you could be saying, Oh, just feel good, stretch it. And you could be treating yourself like shit in your body. So it's sort of marrying, well, where do you, how do you want to feel and how are you moving? And is your movement not in alignment with serving you well? Is, is, are your habits holding you back? Are you tensing your arms? Are you walking around with your hands on your hips instead of finding the right body position between you and your students? Um, how do you move in your own practice? So it's sort of, it's, it's, for me, it's a forever exploration of, conscious movement in this way and linking together, not just let's figure out how to be in alignment in the yoga poses, but how can you move from the moment you walk into the room to the moment you set out the mats to how you turn on your music or not. And, and to start your flow, how do you sit down in the front of the room? How do you get up at the end? You know, so it's, it's not to stress people out, but it's more to put attention on how you move your whole life and finding better ways to be in your body and knowing that yoga and the forms are really great because you can get into different parts of your body and you have different perspective and all these things are wonderful and it's great movement. It's great for your body. It's great for your mind. It's great for your whole self, but it's not, it's, it's a different thing than let's talk about yoga. And then let's talk about philosophy to let's talk about you 
and get real with how you are in your body and how you're moving. And that's everything you need to know. And you'll find a path through through yourself, through that. And if you can be on the path of progress through your own moving better, then you have a chance at helping anybody else. Because if you can't do it, you can't show it at all. So it's not about, oh, if you can't do a handstand, you can't teach a handstand. It's if you don't understand how to move your body, then you can't teach other people how to move their body. And it's sort of, it becomes much more about the process of movement instead of the endpoint of any pose. And from that perspective, you know, it's it's so much more empowering to lead a class because if you can understand movement, then you can start to formulate sequences based on how you move really well. And then you find people who you can show also how to move really well by, by simply you doing it first. And then whatever you're saying backs that up. And I think what's so cool about and some of the trainings all, you know, we have these little experiments where we'll take away the language and the teacher will sit in, sit in the place where they think they should be and do the movements with their breath. And um, it doesn't matter what language you speak or not, but if you're, if you're lost and you're in the class, it's because the guide or the teacher isn't connected to their own breath and body. And the funny thing with that exercise is you can see the students take on all of the bad habits of the teacher. So if a, if a teacher kind of leans forward or leans back or isn't in alignment with themselves, you, you take on how the other person feels about themselves. It's like that scene in Ghosts where like she jumps in. <laughs> so I'm just so fascinated with all of that. And then, you know, adding the, the language is, of course, very important and very important to be as clear and direct and not extra as possible. Just have it be easy so people can feel themselves and not just feel you monologuing about something that's not useful. And, you know, when we can get as clear as we possibly can, like Hemingway and his books about the language and moving as best as you can to your ability and connecting with your own breath, then you're freed up to never burn out. And you can just look around at the other people around you and you know who to help, you know where to go. So we kind of start from there and it gets really fun, <laughs> you know, because it becomes about yourself much more than you learning how to teach yoga. And once you learn how to move into all these things, you're, you're automatically leading. Sure. Yeah. You can learn some language, learn how to connect through touch and all these things. But for me, that's the process that helps each individual feel like themselves instead of trying to feel like a yoga teacher. And that's, you know, that's why, you know, I think we're lucky. We get a lot of people coming to our trainings that some people want to be yoga teachers. Some people are moms or they work at a job and they just want to stand better or move better, or connect better, or lead better in general. And all of these kind of, you know, ways of movement can kind of fit into that. So it's not about a vocation. It's more about sort of a, you know, your whole situation. I love that. I love that the guiding without the words and like, yeah, the noticing of like shoulders sloping in and stuff like that, because that's like, for me, yeah, it's like, then you're really like turning in and sort of like, really like seeing yourself and loving yourself and like, having some like confidence in who you are, even if like, it's not saying who you are was like perfect. You know, it's like this yeah. idea of like perfection of just like, okay, I am trusting myself right now. And in this pose and like ex allowed to express myself and in this pose and like, cause if they're like, yeah, starting to slouch down or whatever, then it's like the doubts and fears showing up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's much more beautiful. And in that way, it completely levels the playing field. There is no, this body type is beautiful. This person who can do advanced poses is beautiful. It's sort of like, if you're connecting with yourself, that's so beautiful. And I don't care if you're, you know, the magazine look of whatever, if you're not connecting with yourself, that's not beautiful anymore. So it's just so, I feel empowering to remind people to experience that beauty. And then you forget, you just, all of a sudden, 
you you're, you you cannot become superficial after you experience yourself that way. <laughs> you know, still there's hangups and all these things, but you know, the judgment just starts to become a lot more about discerning instead of picking yourself apart or picking other people apart. And to me, that's, you know, checking off the useful box for my, how I spend my time. <laughs> so. That's a good, good, good check-in useful box of how you're spending your time. Trisha again, telling you about one of my most favorite purchases, investments I've ever made, my infrared sauna blanket. Yeah, it's like a sleeping bag that's infrared heat. I freaking love this thing. I bought mine over a year ago. I use it several times a week. If you follow me on Instagram, you see this. It's amazing. And I think especially since we've all been home and maybe getting less movement, for me, I use it when my body's not feeling good, whether that's sore from exercise, uh, just not getting enough movement, if I'm feeling stressed, if I just like don't know what to do with myself, you know, it calms my nervous system. So it makes my feel good in body and mind, no matter what time I do of day I do it. It can help me sleep. It energizes me. It's like a freaking miracle. It reduces inflammation, increases blood flow and circulation, soothes sore muscles and joints. It actually burns up to 600 calories, by the way. It's super detoxifying. You sweat like crazy. I love it. Check it out, higherdose.com, the infrared sauna blanket, and use code JOY75 to get $75 off. There's also an interest-free payment plan, which makes it easier to make that purchase. That's what I did. So again, higherdose.com and use my code JOY75. Feel free to DM me and ask me any questions about it. I love mine. Ask me how I use it. Anything at your joyologist. And also they've been selling out fast. So you pre-order, like right now you pre-order for June and they only have a certain amount. So if you've been thinking about it at all, go make the purchase. Higherdose.com, Joy75. So how did you and do you deal with like all of these people that still can show up telling you like you're not teaching people yoga right or this because you're not doing these things? Like, is it just go back to you being like, remembering the people that you are touching and wanting people to have that feeling. How have you been able to get through that? Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's been so many, so long of an evolution with that. Like yeah. after, you know, I got some, you know, public press and notoriety, like the New York Times did this big article on me, which was like supposed to be in the back of the paper. And the 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 journalist was amazing and said, I really love what you're doing. I really want to help you. And I'm like, this is incredible, you know, so after that, everybody wanted to be my friend. <laughs> oh. Better if they said negative things about me or not. So there was a wave of that, like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, I guess maybe if somebody is from a this small- This is so country, awesome what you're doing for yoga. Even yeah, let's like just hang ago, out. We can collaborate, you know? So I'm like, yeah, let's collaborate. Come over. Like, do you remember when you're really mean to me? Like, I'm I'm over it. Are you over it? So, you know, I'm, I don't care. Like, I'm fine. I totally get it. But so like, there was a wave of that. And now like, you know, when we first started leading a lot of trainings, there's still people who wanted to be good to themselves were so trained. And well, if I'm not beating myself up, how am I going to progress? Mm. How am I going to get better at something if I don't hate myself in the process? And that's such a thing in yoga. Like people would come to our trainings, like sign up for the training and they'd be in a warrior too. And, you know, I would say, you know, okay, what happens if you don't 
like you're flexing your muscles, you don't need to. And then they would say, of course, I need to flex my muscles. And I would, I would say, okay, let's look at a lion that climbs up a tree. Does a lion need to flex their muscles when they climb up a tree? Well, no, but that's a lion and they're a wild animal, you know, so we have all these conversations. And then finally, where I would um, get people to understand or, or more better than that experience is, okay, fine, burn yourself out in your warrior two. By the time we get to something that's actually challenging and a warrior two for this person was not challenging, you're not going to be able to do it because you're going to be too exhausted. So this conversation of you're limiting your potential by stressing yourself out and by identifying that your stress is valuable for your success, then they're like, well, I can't get to here this way. Okay, now I'm going to practice moving efficiently instead of stressing myself out through my movement because that's how I've been taught and that's what's comfortable to me. So a lot of these kind of power yoga classes that you're talking about, I think you definitely can do them and move in a way where you don't be affected by the teacher saying, but it's, it's very hard not to be. Now I do go in sometimes and I tell them ahead of time, like, Oh, just let you know, I'm going to take things out my own. Like, and I sort of, and I say, I know this isn't so much for you, but for me, so that when I hear you yelling at the class that I know I don't have to listen. It's basically like, and there's, there's definitely an an endorphin rush from that. So if, if you survive an experience, like a, like a really intense yoga class where the instructor is yelling at you, um, you get the you get the endorphin like you've survived a car accident. You feel very good after, but it's because the accident is over and you've survived. <laughs> but if you practice moving efficiently, you know more in the East Asian way or the whole body harmony way, then you're going to feel not stressed the entire time. It doesn't mean that you're working hard or you're not working hard enough, but you're working hard enough to meet the challenge that's actually there. And what I love about that is it comes back to my you know, everything that I learned from dance, it wasn't like stress yourself out to do 32 fuetes on the right side. It was do it as best as you can to your ability and don't work any moment harder than you need to, because you're going to need that energy to do the next thing. So that's sort of a principle of just movement in general, but somehow through yoga and through life, we miss that because we're trying to, you know, identify our stress as success. I get that. And so, yeah, I love that you're able to find a way to like get through those people that are looking for, uh, like, you know, I have to be pushing, getting better at this and like reframing it for them. I just realized that in Skype, I don't think I can do screen share, which is, oh man. So yeah, I ask everybody to choose a, a keychain from my product line and how, like why? Oh, there, I think I found it. Oh, oh, let's see. Okay, so one of them is let that shit go. One is see the good. One is I am enough. One is I am a badass. One is the only judge of me is me. One is fuck the shoulds, <laughs> do the once, which is a picture I gave you a long time ago. <laughs> um, one is everything is going my way. And I think I got them all. The last one is so fucking grateful. <laughs> so, okay. Do you want me to say them all again? No, I think, well, is, this a, is this a test or a game show? Um, no. So you're supposed to choose one of those phrases that like you would love to have as a daily reminder on a keychain. And then oh, I end up sending cool. it to you. But so it's the choice is so I'll read them all again because that was me trying to remember them and write them down. <laughs> <laughs> and so choosing which one of those phrases you feel you most want as a reminder in your life right now. Mm. So let that shit go. See the good. I am enough. I am a badass. The only judge of me is me. Fuck the shoulds. Do the wants. Everything is going my way and so fucking grateful. 
Oh my gosh. Well, I love that you just said that all together because it sounds so nice. <laughs> but I think, you know, illuminating from our conversation, what I've what I've learned for myself that I probably, you know, don't admit enough is let that shit go. <laughs> because that shit happens all the time and there's gonna be new shit around the corner and I need to let it go. All these people that have been angry at me over the years, I need to let it go too. So it's probably a good reminder. I don't, I don't really think about it enough. I think I'm fine, but you know, thank you for the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. What is a go-to that you do to raise your joy levels? Like if you're feeling off and you're about to go teach a class or whatever, have a phone call, like something you do to help shift your mood. Uh, besides coffee, <laughs> coffee works. <laughs> coffee is coffee an answer. Works. Um, yeah, my the non uh, perfect answer is definitely a good cup of coffee or an espresso. Um, but I think uh, you know, for me, it's practice. And you know, the one thing that I've done for myself really since this pandemic has started was to do a um, a daily live class on Instagram because selfishly, I need to connect with people so I don't feel crazy. And also I need to get my practice in. And that was kind of, you know, solving everything. And I had no idea of anything. I just thought I need to do this for myself. And, you know, so I think, you know, if I if I need to bring my joy levels up, it's just a few moments of of practice for me, moving and breathing and and doing that thing that we all do. Yeah. Okay. I ask everybody how to apply this phrase to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So can you say like, what is easiest for me is to do blank. What is best for me is to blank. It could be something about your daily habits, the way you react to things, any way you want to, any way that it comes to you first to think oh of how to gosh. fill it in. Well, I think for, you know, again, thinking about what we've shared here, what's easiest for me isn't always the, the easy path usually isn't the thing that I should be on. <laughs> and uh, what was the other part? The. So what is easiest for you is not always what is best for me. What is easiest for me is maybe not always what is easy. Yeah, what's best for me is. Yeah, I I should be going into the scary things, I guess. I'm having, you know, I I was talking with a friend at the beginning of this year and she was kind of teasing me that I went to some group fitness class with another friend of mine. She's like, you never do anything like that. And I said, you know, I'm having a yes year. And I know that's so corny, but it's really scary for me for me to say yes to random things, but I know they always lead to where I'm supposed to be, even if it's an, a winding way. So, you know, what's, what's best for me is, is, is saying yes and doing, doing the scary things and, you know, just one foot in front of the other and not just doing the, the easy things that are, you know, obvious and, and have worked in the past and, you know, just kind of turning the wheel again. So I think I'm going to stop turning the wheel. I need to stop turning the wheel and to keep moving into the unknown a bit more. Love it. All right. The final question is the name of the podcast is claim it because I believe that our feelings are never out there. So I'm like, Oh, I'll be, I'll feel enough successful, worthy. Everybody will like me once I have this job, once I do this, once I make this much money, once I have this success, then I will feel this mm. that we just end up chasing it. Once we get it, chase it, chase it, chase it. And so that it's up to us to claim it for ourselves every day, oftentimes every moment of the day, claim your worth, claim your enoughness, claim your success, fulfillment, whatever it is, joy. So what are you claiming for yourself right now? Oh gosh. Well, (laughs) just a light question. I love it. Yeah. No big deal. (laughs) Coming in hard in the garage. Um, 
No, I think, you know, again, just reflecting here, for me, it's that the connection is real. And, you know, I don't feel insecure with the things that I, you know, I don't feel unsatisfied and all that stuff. I, I don't really, those things weirdly haven't interested me from the inside, only from the outside things that where you think that your life should look this way to others. <laughs> and I've, I've never really cared much. Like I'm always just, you know, not really thinking about those things until I think maybe I should be thinking about those things. <laughs> no, no, but maybe not. No. Which is Don't kind of, buy into that. For me, I, I'm, I'm quick to be nervous around connection that it's not real or not trust you know, um, my intuition around connection with certain people and things like that. And just, you know, I, I think I'm going to claim that the connection is real. And I know that I have my own experiences when I do trust it. I have, it just flows so much better. I have so much, I meet the right people, the right people show up to support me, the right people show up to give me a hug, the right people come to ask how I'm doing. It's just, you know, whether it's, you know, I don't, I don't believe in sort of compartmentalization of career and love and family. It's just, for me, it's sort of the sky opens and it shows up when I trust the connection. So I'm going to claim to trust the connection. <laughs> love it. Oh, and I've made it several times throughout the conversation. I, I've been wanting to say it and then I get into sidetrack to something else, but I believe was, I think one of the things that made me be like, oh, I love this girl years ago is did you have, did you make up a shirt or something that said who made the rules or something like that? Yes. And so several times that you've been talking, I've been like, oh yeah, who made the rules? Who made the rules? And even just now, and, that, and that's the same thing with me. Like I loved you so much because I'm like against the shoulds, which is very much like the rules are like, we should be doing this or like my life should look like this to others or this or yeah, that. And so that we're so like pressed into this life of should and following some made up rules that don't even like make sense and who fucking made up the rules anyway. Exactly. I was so proud of that shirt. It was, uh, after the New York times article came out, Reebok approached me to do a collaboration. There was no yoga clothes on the market. And I said, okay, can we do like soft, cozy sweatpants and your boyfriend's t-shirt? Cause it was just Lululemon and I felt like it was Spanx and, you know, it was just kind of the beginning of where like yoga pants were now something that was just for your butt looking better. And why do we have to show our whole butt in public? It just seemed obscene to me, <laughs> but now it's like normal and, and like the pants are better though. The pants are better now, but you know, I remember just, you know, there was no risk because there was no clothes. So they just said, do whatever you want. Here's your team. And I'm like, this is amazing. So I said, can we put this philosophical statement on a shirt and just say who made the rules? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Whatever. And they're like, no one's going to buy it anyway. And it was like this huge global people were into it. And I'm like, this is so fun. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was pretty proud of that, that beginning there. Yeah. So I am still all about that. And so I think that's a good question for everyone to ask out there. If you're like doubting yourself or stuck in, am I, I don't know, should I do that or that? Am I allowed to do this, this way or whatever? Like who made the rules? You make your own there rules, are no rules. Except for you can break your own rules. <laughs> and you know, the ones that the smart people say you need to follow, like stay inside right now. Those are, those are the rules. Right, right, right. right. Those rules are not rules. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> We're not saying to break laws or whatever. Yeah question yourself and who made the rules and that yeah like I said sometimes even it means breaking the own rules that you made up of this idea of what your life is supposed to be or what you should, should do yeah. that you can break your own rules too <laughs> exactly it's like meta <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Tara all right I hope you guys loved that episode 
Tara is somebody definitely that like I felt like we could have kept talking for hours and hours and hours and I wasn't sure where the conversation was going to go. There were other things I could have covered that I thought it would cover, but I love the conversation that we had. Also, we had some technical difficulties when we were recording that episode and we recorded in a way I have never recorded before and will never again. So hopefully um, the sound quality was as good as usual for you over there on your end with my awesome editors helping out. And also, yeah, by the way, I, I mentioned how like when I first got into yoga and I didn't want to chant or ohm or do any of those things, I didn't mention in the episode because we just had so much to talk about. The first epi- uh, first class I went to and the yoga teacher was doing chanting before class, I almost walked out. I was like, what is this? I am not here for this. I'm here to move my body. And then I finally surrendered and just started doing the chanting and tears started pouring out of my eyes. And it has become one of the, my favorite things. I haven't done it in a while, but it is making me want to. So just another note on that too, like... Yeah, like sometimes, you know, do the practices that make you open up to yoga or whatever it is, meditation, and would do the way that it feels best for you. But then also like maybe open yourself up to trying new things. And if it's for you, great. If it's not for you, great. But it might change your life. It might really move you and inspire you like chanting and yoga did for me. And again, I go through phases. Haven't been into it in a while. But I do love if I go to a class and it's there and it's just the certain spirit of the person. Anyway, (laughs) enough about me and my yoga practice, which always is evolving and changing and all sorts of whatever style I like to do and don't like to do. I said I used to be really into like power yoga, not so much anymore. But at one point, that was my jam. So whatever works for you. For episode notes, go to yourjoyologist.com slash podcast and you'll find all the episodes there to find Tara she's at Tara Styles on social media and stralayoga.com all of those links and links to everything that we mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes um, I love 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 hearing from you I love seeing you share the episodes I love when you leave a review on the podcast that actually helps the podcast gets found by more people. And of course, I love reading your comments and your reviews. So if you do that, I will send you a gift for my product line. Go and hit subscribe, rate the podcast, leave your review and screenshot it and send it to me at podcast at yourjoyologist.com. And I'll send you a little gift for my product line, just like I have everybody pick a keychain. I've got mugs, I've got journals, I've got magnets, I got all sorts of things to empower you and inspire your day. So thank you again for choosing to listen. Please again, share the episode. Feel free to DM me. I'm at Your Geologist and you can find all things me at yourgeologist.com. And let's leave with the final thought today of thinking about for you right now in your life, Where can you apply that phrase of what is easiest for me is not always what is best for me? Maybe in this, you know, at home life routines, you've gotten into an easier way where maybe you're like, this really is probably not serving me. So think about that. What is easiest for me is what is best for me. And try to think of the first thing that comes up. Like when I'm asking these guests, they don't know I'm going to ask that ahead of time. So what's the first thought that comes to you? All right. Catch you next time or keep scrolling through and listening to more awesome episodes.